I was so tremendously uh, blessed just worshiping this morning. Um, thinking of all of you and all that you mean to us and your contribution here at the church. Um, I think we've had enough. We could just continue praising God and go home. But uh, I want to uh, share what I think God has put on my heart this morning. Um, See if I can get connected here. Projector or church projector? Okay, so yeah, I was just this morning as we were uh, singing that song, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. You know, whatever we face, whatever is going on in our lives, um, it's just amazing, the powerful, powerful name of Jesus. So this morning, as I was thinking about, or this week, as I was thinking about what to share today, um, this is what I ended up feeling like God wanted me to share. Um, it kind of arrived a little late in the week, so I am here this morning, and I'm just going to say I don't have it together. Um, but um, I believe God gave us enough to be able to talk about and I don't know where we're going to go for sure or how this is all going to work out but I trust him and I trust that um, in spite of my running out of uh, Sunday morning coming before uh, all of the, the I had time to organize all of my thoughts and put everything in place so I hope God can just take all of that and, and use it but Finding freedom, spirit, soul, and body. And part of what inspired me to share this this morning is just things that we continue to uh, run across as we um, talk to people continuously, as we pray with people. Um, just things that, that keep popping up um, again and again. Um, Questions, you know, why can't I get victory over blank, whatever it is that people are struggling with? Why, why do I just deal with this over and over and over again? Um, and uh, so that's it. Um, what is a stronghold? Sometimes we talk about strongholds in our lives. What is a stronghold? Why do I have it? Why do I have a stronghold? What is it? How can I deal with it? Um, so I'm not going to exhaustively answer all those questions, but we'll at least um, bounce around at them a little bit and talk about them a little bit. God has answers. Um, the main thing that I want to say this morning that I know is true, and that is that Jesus is the answer for whatever we face. 
whatever the situation, whatever um, the sin, whatever the stronghold, whatever the habit, whatever we're discouraged about, whatever we're afraid of, um, he is the answer. <clears throat> so this morning as we uh, look at some of that, um, we're going to look at the fact that um, God has created us, spirit, soul, and body. I don't know if you can all read that or not. It was hard to get the words so that they would be big enough, but we've got spirit, soul, and body. We're made up that way, right? Where we are made up in three parts. Um, God has made us with a spirit that um, lives forever. And um, he has made us with a soul. And the soul, I think, being the part of us that has uh, a mind. It is the part of us that has feelings and emotions, uh, a will. That's all connected to our soul part. And then we have the body, which I think we're all pretty aware of, or natural part. Some of us have too much of it. Um, but nevertheless, God in his design made us that way. Um, so as that scripture says, now may, in First Thessalonians 5.23, it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless on the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what he wants, right? He wants to um, to redeem us, to restore us, and to help us as we put our faith in him because it's not in our own works, it's not in our own ability to keep ourselves, but in our faith and our trust and our ability to um, to give ourselves to him in a way that he lives out in us. Romans 5.12 says... Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, Romans 5.12. So man had a problem, right? As we were, um, we were born with a sin problem. We were born with... Um, as Ezekiel refers to it, God refers to it in, in Ezekiel that we have a heart of stone. Uh, we have, we were born with a heart of sin, a sin nature. And, um, we're just born that way. We're naturally that way because of, um, the sin of Adam that we have inherited, right? A generational sin, iniquity. We, we have, we have that in Him. Like I mentioned, God refers to us having a heart of stone, but He wants to give us a new heart. 
And I just want to mention that as we have that heart of stone, our natural man, um, I don't, I don't have this all right. These are just thoughts, stuff I put together to try to illustrate a little bit of what, what happens, what's going on in our lives. I know a lot of this we know, but sometimes we forget. And sometimes maybe just if you're visual like I am, it helps you to see, um, something more visual. Our heart, our natural man, we're very earthly. We're very worldly minded. We're connected down here. And as much as we try to get it right, we try to read more scripture, we try to pray, we try to whatever. We, we try to prop ourselves up. We always just plop back down because that's, we just don't have it within ourselves. But God knew that, so he had a remedy, and that is that he wants to give us a new heart, and he wants to put his spirit within us. So in looking at that, um, what it says there in Ezekiel, the Lord said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So God knows that we are not able ourselves. So he comes in and he gives us his spirit to come and live within us. And when we... If I back that up a little bit, when we, uh, when we recognize that we need, we have a sin problem, we need help, we need Jesus. And Jesus has made a way uh, to redeem us, to, um, for us to be saved, for us to be redeemed, for that relationship between the Father and us to be restored. Um, I'm just going to break in here and I'm just going to read out of John chapter 3 for a little bit. And this is just talking about what Jesus said about the need of being born again and the question that Nicodemus had. And I thought it was interesting as you as you look at this, realizing that Jesus was going about working miracles and people were being healed and all kinds of miracles were happening. Um, people were looking on, right? And you still see that today. When things change drastically in our lives and we get changed uh, into the image of Christ or we get set free or we have that glow on our face, people wonder, what's up? What's going on? How did that happen? And then they, they want to know, how can that happen to me? Right? It's it's kind of, it's this contagious thing. And that's the same thing that was happening here. Um, starting in verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. And then here he says, it says For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And that's what happens in our lives. We we realize that um, as we look on into somebody else's life and we see these changes happening and miracles happening in their lives, we're like, 
Wow. That's none other than God. That's none other than the Holy Spirit. You can't have, that doesn't happen outside of that. So he's glorified. Verse 3, then Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can this be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, but you do not know these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If we have told you earthly things, thank you. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven except he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man who is in heaven. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I just love that beautiful um, heart that Jesus had there as he's um, just bearing witness of himself, of how he came not to bring condemnation, but to bring hope. To be able to redeem people, to restore. So back to um, our PowerPoint we realize, recognize that we have a problem. We're lost. We can't help ourselves. We keep wallowing in sin. And God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Isn't that amazing? That God would love us that much. So as we're aware of our sin nature, our heart of stone, and we recognize and acknowledge our sin and confess our sin, even the fact that we are have a sin nature, the fact that we are um, lost, the fact that we don't have it within ourselves, um, and this, the, the very fact that we're, even if we did everything right, we're lost because of our sin nature. Um, but 
we don't do things right. We have sin in our lives because of our, our, um, yeah, things that we make agreements with the enemy with, things that as we, that we pick up as we go. Um, so in this case, this fellow had a problem with lust and pride, hypocrisy and anger. Um, and he, he repented. He repented of those things. He named those things. He confessed them. He repented of them and asked God to forgive him and to, for his Holy Spirit to come into his life. And God honors that. And as he, as we confess and acknowledge and are willing to, re- to repent, to turn from our sin, um, he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this guy repented, received the Holy Spirit in his life, um, got free from the sins that he was involved in, but he still has a problem. And he probably isn't aware of it at this point. Um, so what happens? I think just to realize that um, God's heart is to continue to work in our lives, to show us himself, to show us ourselves. Um, but I think that's, that's one of the things that happens sometimes that we, that we are not understanding or not aware of is sometimes we can have underlying issues in our lives that are there because of agreements that we have made with the enemy or because of agreements that someone in our generations has made with the enemy. And if they have never been addressed, if they have never been to the place where somebody has said, okay, the Holy Spirit has shown you and you have acknowledged that and you take back that ground that was surrendered to the enemy, um, that root can remain in there and can cause trouble. Like the giants in Canaan land, right? Or the cities that they needed to take when they got there. Is this person a Christian? What do y'all think? What's that? Go ahead. He needs baptized. (laughs) Amen. But in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what happens? At least most of the time. We could probably get into theological debates here, but in my experience, sometimes as the Holy Spirit comes, um, he doesn't deal with everything all at one time. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. And I think we have to understand that. Um, Life is a bit like an onion. God knows in his mercy sometimes there's things that 
don't surface right away. So what do we do with it? I think this person is... um, He's experiencing freedom. He's experiencing joy, uh, peace, love. And, and he can go on, but he is going to have trouble in a few areas that will make him more vulnerable uh, for the enemy. One thing I just, like I had pointed out before, that our natural heart, our natural man is very connected to this world in the same way as God's spirit is living in us, is his spirit comes from above. And so there's that connection. So even though once we have his spirit within us and we are uh, allowing him to fill us and overflow in us and overtake us, that spirit will continuously revive us. And even though there are times when we in our flesh make mistakes or we sin or we step into things we shouldn't, God's spirit is there again to revive us and to draw us back to himself. So John chapter 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. What I'm, what I'm pointing at in these verses is the war that goes on in our soul. When, um, We have Christ within us. His desire is for us to hear him, to listen to him, to walk with him, to have a relationship with him, to allow him to move out through our our spirit, out through our, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, to radiate out through there, out through our body, so that the things that we say, the things that we do, the places that we go, the the way that we minister will be him flowing from us. At the same time, we recognize that the enemy, I think, um, what is it, Ephesians that calls it fiery darts, shooting fiery darts at us. He's speaking lies. He's trying to, to make an impact. He's trying to make an inroad back into there to destroy um, the freedom that we have. And we are given a choice, right? We can listen to the Holy Spirit. That's a gentleman that's going to continue to speak, going to continue to guide us into all truth, to lead us to freedom, to lead us to speak for him. Or we can listen to the lies of the enemy. You know, rejection is a big one. Oh, I'm not good enough to speak for him. I can't, I can't speak well. I'm afraid. Besides, people don't like me. If they'd like me, they'd do so and so. 
So if I start believing those lies, I'll start pulling back, right? I'll start putting up walls. And, and the enemy's like, yes. And he keeps speaking the lies. And at some point, you just continue to connect with those lies so much that you just believe them more and more to the place where you're just convinced the best place for you is to be alone by yourself because nobody understands. Now you're really vulnerable. So anyway, that's, that's some of what you see happening in our lives as we make agreements. So we agree with the Holy Spirit. We allow him to... Um, Radiate to overtake us, to fill us, to flow from our lives, we will have the fruits of the Spirit. In this situation where this guy has um, those strongholds or roots of things that haven't been dealt with, um, the enemy still claims... um, it's a little bit like headquarters set up there. They may have vacated them, but they're still there. The embassies are still there. And unless we allow the Holy Spirit to show us and we recognize that the enemy's embassies are still there, we won't deal with them. So just again remembering that The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life, and not only life, but have it more abundantly. So how do we resist the enemy? I think the best way is to be uh, close full of the Holy Spirit, filled with him. But we resist him the same way Jesus did, right? I don't think we are above what Jesus was when he was here. Jesus said, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Sometimes when we talk about this, And I understand the way we grow up sometimes, the way that we communicate, the way that we relate. Sometimes people say, oh, I I, I can't address him. I'm not going to talk to the devil. I only pray to Jesus. I'm not saying we should pray to the enemy, not at all. But we are told to resist him. And when Jesus resisted him, he didn't tell somebody to tell somebody else. He resisted him. Right? And we can't do that on our own, not on our own strength. But in the authority of Jesus Christ. We're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. Jesus won the battle over sin and Satan, over death at the cross 2,000 years ago. And Satan knows it. But as long as he allow, as we allow him to continue operating in our lives like he's not, he will. 
But if we take him back to that and, he, and, we, and we recognize that in Jesus' name and his authority, his power is broken and we stand on that in faith with Jesus Christ, with that victory, um, most of the battle is over. But... Um, yeah, I, I find that I find that as I'm sometimes helping somebody pray through a situation, you get to the place where you're encouraging somebody. Okay, now let's renounce this particular thing, whether it's a spirit of religion or whether it's a demon or whether it's a stronghold or whatever it is. Let's 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 deal with that thing. And it's like you get to a place where it's really hard because they're not used to thinking about that. So people will do something like, Jesus, I'm renouncing so-and-so and I am... Uh, so you, you keep talking about it in prayer. You know, it's a little bit like if our military would want to... Maybe there's a situation where they need to um, draw a line in the sand and somebody crossed that and they say, you know, I want to take our jet and we want to go over there and we want to take a bomb and we want to um, wipe out this certain area or this certain ISIS leader or whatever. They can talk about it all day long. As long as they don't engage, nothing happens, right? And so often I see us engaging that way in our spiritual lives. We talk about it. We pray about it. We talk to God about it. But we don't actually do it. You know, it talks about um, the mountain being removed and cast into the sea. You know, it doesn't tell us to tell Jesus to tell that mountain to be cast into the sea. It says, say ye to that mountain. So I'm just encouraging us, realizing the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. There is no one in this world that walks around with a greater authority than each one of you do as you recognize that you are in Christ. And Christ has all authority, right? I know I'm doing a, a really poor job at covering all of this, but like I said, it's, it's pretty rough. But hopefully we can communicate some things here. Um, so going to the next slide now, what happens when we don't deal with our strongholds and we start believing lies and listening to lies, we end up picking up a lot more monkeys. And he comes in stronger than before. So now this guy is dealing with not only religion and pride, which are kind of connected, right? As well as lust and anger are connected. As well as fear and control are connected. Often when you see one, you'll see the other. People need to control things because they're afraid of something. People that are religious typically 
have a pride issue. And people that have a lust problem often have an anger problem. That's just an example of a few things. So, but what happens is we can have these things going on deep in our hearts and the things inside there are kind of root issues that we are now allowing to overtake our mind, will, and emotions in our body. And the objective is is to destroy God's spirit within us, to destroy our spirit. But if we live this way from our life is are going to flow the works of the flesh, right? Out of Galatians 5. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. So this guy sees that problem. The things on the outside are pretty obvious, right? He's engaging in immoral actions, sensuality. He's fighting with people around him. He's full of strife and jealous over people. So revival comes, right? And he starts dealing with things. So he he repents, you know, realizing, let me just back up and saying, realizing that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. what God said that our body is his temple the temple for the Holy Spirit and when you think about Jesus' passion to cleanse the temple don't you think he wants to cleanse our temple the things that are going on in his house that are not okay he wants to cleanse those things and sometimes we see those things and we God shows us things and we start repenting. We repent from the things out there that we see and are obvious to everybody. And this guy is at least looking a lot better. And he's feeling a a, a big difference. But he's still not free. So now what do we do? Again, that can be different in different situations. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to show us more than we want to know. If we ask him, if we allow him to show us, we open our heart and our life and we ask him to show us, to shine his light into our life. Like it says there in First Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except for their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So as God shows, shines his light into our lives and we open our heart and we ask him and he shows us, he's faithful. He will show us. Sometimes he shows us through somebody else, right? That's really humbling. But sometimes it happens. Um, it's a good opportunity to see how teachable we are, how open we are. 
Um, but as we acknowledge those things, as he shows us the deeper issues in our life and we address them, and where there are strongholds, we, we take back that ground. We rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name. We renounce those things from our lives and we cut off any connections, whether it's through our, our generations, whether it's hand-me-down stuff, whether it's stuff that we have agreed with and opened our life with, to, or whether it's, yeah, we, we, we recognize those things. We repent. We turn from them. We don't just, there's a big difference between confession and repentance. People get that mixed up a lot, right? Um, people think when they get up and they, or they, they confess things to people, they've repented, but it's not necessarily so. Repenting, confession is a, is a big step in that, but it's not repentance. Repentance is after you've acknowledged and confessed something that you turn from it and you, re- you recognize it to the place that you're willing to, to really take it to the cross. So as we deal with those things and they are rooted out of our life through the power of Jesus Christ and we're free, what comes in is love, joy, peace, and on and on. So again, He wants to come into our lives through his power, through his spirit, to radiate from our lives, to fill us with love and joy and peace. And as we do that, then he wants to work out through our mind, will, and emotions, the things that we say, the the way that we minister to people, the way that we encourage people, or the things that we don't say, right? Um, things that we shouldn't. Um, so as that happens, then from our lives will begin to flow the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Isn't that amazing? How how drastically as we break off the lies, as we stop the flow of the enemy coming into our lives and we turn to the Holy Spirit within us and allow him to flow and radiate out through our lives, then from our lives will flow rivers of living waters. From our lives will flow fruits of the Spirit that will splash around and people will be drawn to him and they'll ask the question, hey, I want that. Can I have that? How do I get that? That's God's plan. So, I just want to read yet First uh, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. I didn't want to read all of this, but as I read it, I couldn't help myself. Um, This breaking in in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, to be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons to himself through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, which he so graciously bestowed upon us in the beloved. Isn't that amazing? That kind of Jesus, that kind of God, there is no, nothing even close anywhere in the world that has ever claimed to be God. There is no other God, but that has ever even claimed to be God that isn't all about himself. But his great love, in his great love, he wanted to redeem us. In him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. How much is that? Is that enough? According to the riches of his grace. Which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself as a plan for the, for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ, which are in heaven and on earth. In him also we have received an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. Anyway, I think I'm... No? Okay. Um, That we who were the first to hope in Christ should live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, after hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and after believing in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Therefore, I also, after hearing of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you and mentioning you in my prayers. So, I'm going to... I have finished the rest of that chapter, actually, or at least going through verse 23 this way. And it says, For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him. That's what we need. That's what we want, right? Having eyes, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, which are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. But he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Wow. And then we wonder, why do we struggle? That same Jesus that was here, that walked this earth, that knows what it feels like to be you, that knows what it feels like to feel fear, he knows what it feels like to feel rejection. That same Jesus is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, And he's given his Holy Spirit to live inside each one of us. And as we flow in that relationship, he will fill us with his power. And in that way, we are not just conquerors, but we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Sorry. Um, But as we close this, one of the verses, a, a verse that we all know, I mentioned it earlier today. It was on my heart a lot last Sunday, just this very little snatch. And it came to me again as I thought about this. It's for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And the question to you today is, how much will you believe him for? Are you, are you hoping you will only squeak into everlasting life? Or are you willing to believe him to be set free from all the things that hinder you? The giants in your land. The cities that need to be taken back. The agreements that you've made that you need to take responsibility for. The vows that you've spoken over your life that need to be broken. The strongholds that you've allowed to be set up in your life. Are you willing to believe him for that? God bless you all.